This is Jason Poblet with another Global Liberty Alliance podcast coming to you from Arlington, Virginia today, uh, very close to Washington, D.C. We have, again, our friend in Guatemala, Betty Marroquin. Betty, how are you? Hi, Jason. Good morning. Good, good to great, talk to you. Good to talk to you, Betty. And today we're going to continue the conversation, as promised, in a prior podcast with some news-breaking items about the judicial crisis in Guatemala. You know, Betty, over here in Washington, talking about judicial crisis, we have, uh, you know, uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed a few days ago, and we expect President Trump tomorrow. We're recording this on Friday, and tomorrow President Trump is scheduled to announce the replacement. And it's created a lot of news, and, and you follow news here in the States. Absolutely. And, yes, and, and we, you know, it's interesting the things that we, our policymakers argue about. I mean, we, we've, some people don't want to nominate her right away, and that's the Democrats, of course, and, and folks on the other side want him to move with haste, which I think it's, it's his job, is his constitutional duty, and the president should nominate someone to fill that important vacancy. And, but some of the things we've heard, though, from folks on the other side who disagree with that approach I mean, they're upset. They're saying things like, well, if you do this and we win control of the Senate, we're going to pack the court and we're going to do things and threatening uh, the other side with all sorts of legal, potentially unconstitutional maneuvers. And we'll have time to deal with that next year. I think right now, of course, we want to go to your crisis, the one in, which is a big one, the one in Guatemala. And you have some news to share. But before we do that, uh, Betty... Your legal system is based on civil law. It's a little different from the American one. Uh, mm -hmm. It kind of has its roots in Spain. So when we talk about these different courts, I want our listeners to understand that uh, the judges, uh, just for the purpose of our conversation, the judges have uh, significant uh, roles to play in finding fact and, and judging the facts. So they, 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 you don't have juries there, correct? That's correct. The judge incarnates judge and jury. Right. So I want our listeners to understand that, especially those here in, in the United States who listen to the show, to keep that in mind when you listen to what Betty's talking about, because there is a court in Guatemala that's been at the source of a huge debate, including by some liberal NGOs here in Washington who say that somehow uh, Guatemalan jurists, people who want to take care of their legal system and have the Guatemalan legal system and have Guatemalan lawyers and judges and activists reform it, somehow think that that's a bad thing. Why are they saying that? We don't, why are they saying that, for example, the Washington office, you know, WOLA, the Washington office in Latin America, why do they say that groups like yours are trying to hijack these courts? Because that's not the way I see it, but I'd like you to share with our listeners why you think we, we, we keep hearing these, these, these untruthful statements. Well, thank you, Jason. Uh, let me begin by saying that in Guatemala, many of us follow U.S. politics, and we are amazed to see that what has been happening here for, for over 10 years, you're getting a taste of it right now. Basically, the, sim the similarities are incredible, if I may. Uh, when Barack Obama was uh, going to appoint a substitute for Chief Justice Scalia, may he rest in peace. I remember the arguments were very clear and he said that he was going to appoint 
the the successor on his last day last year of mandate and he did and 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 it was done and that's it same situation as what you're facing right now with um ruth uh, judge uh, supreme justice um ginsburg's uh, may she rest in peace um substitute it's the same situation and the arguments as you can see are being manipulated completely and even us, we see it from the outside. We, we, mm. we clearly see that President Trump has every right to appoint a nominee immediately, and the Senate should pass that confirmation ASAP. Mm. If, well, if, let, let, let me ask you, Betty, because this is interesting. Uh, so you're looking at, as a Guatemalan who's, and you worked here a long time, you, 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 know, you, knew, you worked at uh, your embassy here and spent time learning and working alongside people in the Congress here. So well, how do you view all of this when you see, you, you said something interesting there. Well, what you're going through now, you're getting a taste of what we've been living through. What is that exactly so our listeners understand what you're talking about? The politicization, idealization, if I may say it that way, mm -hmm. of, of the application of justice. That's what, we, what we've been going through for over 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're getting a taste of it right now. In the past, I remember in the 80s, I remember in the 90s, both in your country and mine, um, criminal was a criminal mm. and the law was applied and that was it. Uh, of course, there were a few exceptions where corruption and situations, irregular situations happened, but it was not, the, it was not common practice. Now in my country, and now I, be, I bring you fast forward to today, we see our judiciary completely taken over by the left, thanks to Cicig's, to Ivan Velasquez Cicig, and Wola, which is a tremendous supporter of Ivan Velasquez. We have also heard in Guatemala that Wola has been paying Colin Powell's brother to lobby Washington uh, on behalf of the left here. They're very good friends with a woman called Helen Mack, who's the leader of the of the left, the most leftist people in my country uh, to hurt basically the process of cleanup that we want to bring so that the constitution is finally respected once again and our laws are applied without an ideological content. And you know, let's tell our listeners a little bit about who these people are because I think it would help them to understand, you know, as we spoke in the last show, and we're not going to re go over it. I, I recommend folks listen to it again. Guatemala went through a very difficult period. Uh, some called it a civil war. It, it, it was quite extensive. A lot of people died on both sides of uh, both sides of that battle. It, it was tough. And in any time there's a, a post-conflict reconstruction, uh, those things take time to to put together. But there's a good there, there's ju there's a good judicial system that's been built. It was built prior to the end of the war, frankly. Mm -hmm. The Constitution, I think it's the one that we keep talking about, the 85 Constitution, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, it created an independent judiciary uh, and it even has a human rights ombudsman. Mm -hmm. It created, uh, you have a nine member Supreme Court, uh, which are the, the different ordinary jurisdictional courts. You have 10 courts of appeal. You have 33 civil courts, roughly, uh, of different categories. And you even have 10 penal courts. So. For folks listening to this, Guatemala has a legal system. It's been around for a long time. It was created in the midst of this difficult period. And 
we fast forward to the 90s and, and a lot of things happened that we're not talking about. But ultimately, this fellow, Ivan Velasquez, was a Colombian. He's not a Guatemalan, first and foremost. Keep that in mind. He is part of this organization that was created called CSIG. And mm-hmm. it was an international organization. I want, I want Betty to describe it briefly again. Uh, but for folks listening to this, remember, Mr. Velasquez is not Guatemalan. He is an outsider. What is CSIG, Betty? Remind our listeners briefly what CSIG was all about. Well, Ivan Velasquez is a Colombian um, jurist linked to the guerrilla in Colombia. He has extremely close ties to FARC. The FARC, right? Which, yes. by the way, in the United States, the FARC is still considered a terrorist organization under, under, under the law. So. As it should be, because that's what it is. Right. Um, so he came to Guatemala, appointed by the, by the United Nations to, as, as our third commissioner for the infamous um, uh, CSIG, which was the entity to fight corruption and impunity, basically. That's what the, that was the reason for its uh, creation. So but in other words, we gave foreigners the authority to clean our house, in theory. Well, what happened, and we see now the results, was that not only human rights were blatantly abused, uh, the, le- the due process was completely, they try to destroy it completely. We have people that are, uh, that are currently incarcerated um, without uh, seeing a day in court, and they have been there for over five years in preventive uh, imprisonment. It, when our law states that you can only be in that situation for one year. Mm. Need to be, you need to have your, you have the right to have your day in court. And these people have been there for over five. We have people that have passed away in prison thanks to CCIG. And guess what? After they were dead, they came out saying, oh, sorry, we were wrong. We have people that have uh, committed suicide in jail when their lives were destroyed with the infamous thirsty uh, six Thursdays, which Walla applauded tremendously in those CSIG Thursdays, um, Ivan Velasquez and Tel Maldana, the, the, the attorney general at the time, would come out and destroy someone's reputation completely mm. without having been defeated at a court. And, and we have some news about Ms. Aldana in a minute. We'll talk about that later. But so, so, and I, want, I want our listeners to understand this. So, so as Betty continues her explanation, it's not that so, we, we support rule of law. We support rule of law 100%. We support due process. We mm-hmm. support holding human rights abusers to account, no matter their ideological persuasion. Anyone Correct. who commits Correct. a human rights abuse needs to be held to account. So when we oppose organizations like the International Commission Against Impunity in Guatemala called CSIG, an organization is an international entity that was put there by force, even though they were, the Guatemalans invited them in. I, I, but I believe that they were forced. It was a Hobson, you know, it was, it was, it was about, they were, had no, really no choice, basically. It's almost like, folks, imagine right here in Virginia, we were told by Spain and the United Nations and pick any other power you want. You have horrible laws there. We're going to put this organization in there. And if you don't take them, uh, you know, things are going to happen to you. So it, it was almost uh, you're having outsiders coming in to judge you who really maybe did not understand your legal system. Mm-hmm. 
and they came in with and they came in with preconceived notions of who should win and who should lose would that be correct that is absolutely correct okay that's absolutely correct and no and not only that for instance we tried when i say we i'm talking about those of us who defend uh, freedom democracy those of us who, who believe in all this and fight every day right to live pro family pro faith everything um, we asked CISIG to investigate the assassination of Gordon Main, the U.S. ambassador who was murdered in Guatemala in 1968. They didn't care because those who killed Ambassador Gordon Main are now all protected by, uh, well, they were protected by CISIG, then they were protected by, by I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to say it, by Ambassador Todd Robinson, then by Ambassador Luis Arriaga, who thank God is finally leaving, and by the left. You see? It is, it is, Hello, Betty. It is, I'm here. I'm here. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, so, so basically, it's a it was a politicized process from the very beginning. It was completely politicized, and we didn't realize it until years later. So, 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 so how did the, you know, this Ivan Velasquez fellow was very controversial from, I mean, he, he's been given all these awards, by the way. I mean, he's been giving the International Bar Association award and he was given uh, international awards, supposedly being this great jurist. But tell us the mm -hmm. truth about what happened there, because there was a lot of problems from the very beginning with this person. You see, the media has, has, the media has played a big role in all this because just like like the fake news media in the US, we have the same thing here. The mm. media completely sided with the left. They it's the same thing that happened in Venezuela before before the media was destroyed by Chavez. They all sided with him and supported mm. him, not knowing that he would come in and then quiet them down. Right. Um, so here the same thing has happened. The media completely uh, supported everything Ivan Velasquez did, but also out of fear, and I'm sorry to say this, but I'm gonna to have to say it, out of fear to the instructions given in English from your embassy, from Ambassador Todd Robinson. He, has, he had a big role in all this. So, so in other words, they pushed what we call the deep state agenda in Guatemala to help everyone that committed a crime during the war and was from the left, to avoid persecution and to punish everybody that during the war uh, fought on behalf of the military. And may I remind this, there were excesses on both sides, there were faults on both sides, but we signed the peace agreements in order to put an end to the argument and move forward. And we have never been allowed to do that. CISIG mm. was a big player in all this. And right now, my country, I grew up during the war. I remember the years of the war very clearly. I have friends that were murdered by the guerrilla, parents that were murdered by the guerrilla. I know I've been to communities, indigenous communities, where people tell you openly, my grandmother was killed by the guerrilla after the guerrilla came and raped her because she had given some tortillas to some soldiers. So, well, 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 on that note, we will take our first break. Okay. There, there, there's a lot there that we will continue to talk about. Okay. And Betty, I know that this is an important issue. You could tell from, from, 
from from her tone, how committed. Sorry, I get passionate about no, it. No, no, no reason to apologize. I think this just reminds folks about how important this issue is. And uh, we'll be right back to talk with Betty Marroquin from Guatemala about rule of law in her country. Betty Marroquin from Guatemala, how are you doing? Welcome back. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Ivan Velasquez Gomez, Colombian jurist who was in your country for a long time, um, lording over Guatemala's legal system with the CSIG and with other NGOs. I mean, if this happened in America, you know, I, you know, you know this, I've opposed that organization from the very beginning. I never thought it was a good idea because uh, you're by impliedly telling the Guatemalan people that you don't trust their lawyers, you don't trust their judges, you don't trust their legal system. That's pretty presumptuous and pre frankly, it's elitist. Um, uh, it, it was a, you know, if you had someone at the time, I guess, who was leading the United States, I believe, who focused on putting national interests first, you probably wouldn't had, have had that ex horrible experience when you have organizations that are made from the body of a corrupt organization because the UN has to be reformed or maybe some people say abolished, um, going to tell other people what to do, especially think about what was happening in Colombia back then. They are nobody to be judging anyone outside their own space. Uh, and I, I find it frankly offensive that uh, we uh, allowed these sort of things to happen, especially when you have so many great lawyers in your country and people like you also who are committed to do this sort of thing. Fast forward a minute now to the Constitutional Court, because yes. uh, the Constitutional Court, as I understand it, it, was created back in the 1980s, and it was designed to be a court with a very limited jurisdiction to decide what the Constitution meant when there was disagreements amongst all these other courts, right? So what happened to that institution? How did it go from being a limited jurisdiction court to becoming, from everything I've read, a court that's exceeded, exceeded its mandate. It's doing things it is not empowered to do. Well, as we spoke in previous podcasts with you, the International Socialist and the Foro Sao Paulo identified the judiciary systems of all of our countries, not just Guate, not just Guatemala, as the number one tool for the left to finally copped completely power, I mean, the, the system so that they could finally reach power. Right. And that's what they've been doing in Guatemala. So the battle went from the hit from the highlands into the courts. Mm. The courts became the number one instrument. So they identified with Velasquez, they identified that the constitutional court, which has, as you very well explained, a very limited and specific function, its function was to to oversee that the constitution was respected to the core, that um, there were no uh, violations of constitutional law, and to, um, to help in, if there were any disputes within um, members of, of the justice system with respect to the interpretation of the constitution. That's the, CC, mm -hmm. the constitutional court's function, period. Velasquez identified with Helen Mack 
identified the Constitutional Court as a very important tool. And they started using a judge called Gloria Porras, uh, along with two other judges, Neftali Aldana and Buenerje Mejia. Mm. And in those three, there's five judges, those three basically took over completely the control of the Constitutional Court to break the law. To violate the Constitution, our Constitution became what I've called it, um, the, 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 basically they trashed it. They trashed yeah. it, they, 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 they stretch it, and they, and they manipulate completely what the Constitution says, even when entities that oversee also uh, respect of the Constitution have stated openly you are violating the law. They've right. told these judges, you are violating the Constitution. That's not what the Constitution says. To give you an example, right now, Buenerje Mejia, one of the magistrates, passed away. Nobody was allowed to see if the body really passed away. Curiously, I mean, the body was real. We have our doubts if he's really dead or not. Reason is, curiously, he passed away a couple of days after a key witness was was um, was uh, taken into custody, and this witness is a former minister of communications who used to pay 70, 70,000 70, cues per month as bribes to to Buenerje Mejia. Mm. So what? casually, Buenerje Mejia passes away after he was said to have been uh, recovered from COVID. Interesting. And then Gloria Porras will not allow the authorities to verify if he really passed away, if that body that is supposed to be uh, in, in this, at the cemetery is really his. Another one is Neftali Aldana, the other magistrate who works with Gloria Porras. He, is, he has been declared brain dead. We don't know for how long. His signatures, both Buenerges and Neftalis, have been used by Gloria Porras for things that she has ordered. So, so somebody who's been medically found brain dead, mm -hmm. they've been using some authority that he left behind to authorize activity? No, he didn't leave behind anything. They're just using his electronic signature. Wow. Uh-huh. That's... Wow, and that's and that's those are the magistrates that magistrates that Walla is protecting. So, I always find this Washington mindset about combating corruption is this, this shibboleth that people throw around. Oh, we we we're going to go combat corruption, uh, and then they think that from the outside, forcing these. And by the way, Guatemala is a case study that should be studied about how not to do rule of law work in Latin America. You cannot go around bullying people, hijack their legal system, and then wrap yourself in the cloak of anti-corruption and think you're doing something right when it's completely the opposite. You're in there undermining. First of all, you're meddling in the foreign affairs of a country. We would not put up with that for one minute if somebody came into our country, the UN, and told our Supreme Court, our, our courts here in Virginia, how to do their job. So that's, that's number one. They have no business no one has any business going into a foreign country and telling them how to run their court system. Now, exactly. if, if somebody in Guatemala wants help, that's something different. And 
there's always technical advice and lawyers, by the way, we, we interact all the time with fellow lawyers around the world. And we, 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 we talk with one another about our cases generally, and we, we, we learn about other legal systems. But what happened in Guatemala was almost a, if not a hijacking of their due process legal systems that had been in place for a long time, just because they wanted to impose a social agenda on the Guatemalan people. And the socialist agenda, if and, I may. And, and that is uh, truly outrageous. And what a waste of time, money, and effort. And talk about setting back, you know, how, how, if I were a Guatemalan person, you, you, you tell me, you, you ran for office in Guatemala state, uh, countrywide, you ran for vice president. I mean, how would the Guatemalan people, you know, what, what do they say when they, when they hear this sort of thing? I mean, and what about CISIG in the eyes of the Guatemalan voter? Is this something they care about? Do they follow it closely? Everyone is concerned, but people right now are uh, subjected to the, to the panic created by, by the coronavirus and are not, otherwise we would be on the streets. Let me tell you, Jason. You we would be on the streets so, so if people it wasn't be, for the pe orders from the president. And even if we don't agree, we're following orders because we understand that authority is authority. But frankly, people are, are very angry. And many entities have pronounced themselves against this constitutional court. Let me tell you something else that is protecting, to give you an example. There's a jurist called Conrado Reyes. Conrado Reyes is the substitute of Neftali Aldana. For the past three years, ever since he was appointed, Gloria Porras, the, 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 the mastermind of this constitutional court, has opposed Conrado Reyes from taking over as, uh, as Neftali Aldana's substitute. And by law, right now that Neftali Aldana is brain dead, it's Conrado Reyes who should be acting magistrate. Wow. But she doesn't allow him to go in because he is not a socialist. Wow. So sounds familiar to what you're going through, going to go through right now with your Supreme Court, right? So it's, okay. the, it's the same thing. It's the, the ideal uh, politicization of the application of justice. And, and I, I know Walla very well, and they know me. And I know <laughs> they protect, they, they protect their agenda, they're very coherent because they have never switched. Ever since I've met them in the, in the 90s, they have never switched. Their purpose to promote socialism in all of our countries. That's all they do. So basically, I, they I follow what Helen Mack says. And let me a parenthesis, if I may. Helen yeah, Mack, this past week, last week, pictures came up. She became a national figure when her sister Mirna Mack was allegedly murdered and tortured and blah, blah, blah by the army. A former guerrilla commander wrote in one book about 15 years ago, Gustavo Porras is his name, he's the author and he was a guerrilla commander. He wrote that uh, Mirna Mack was in his battalion and that she was murdered by her lover and it was a crime of passion because she cheated on her, on her husband. Right. So pictures came out last week of this whole thing. Oh, Do you boy. think the media said anything? No. Hmm. So it, let me tell you, it's, it's incredible what, what, we, what we're seeing here. But right now we're fighting to get this constitutional court 
cleanup, Gloria Porras has to face um, has to has to face the consequences of her actions, and she's alone right now because the 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 two magistrates that used to work with her are now no longer there. So you know what she did on September 10? She completely arbitrarily designated Maria Eugenia Morales, which is a well-known uh, former guerrilla militant, a Supreme Court magistrate. She wants her to assume uh, the Supreme Court's presidency so that she can rule against the, the against Congress um, because Congress is going to uh, take action against the Constitutional Court. Let me you ask you, me? yeah, I follow you. Let, let me ask you, before we take our next break, I we want to chat briefly about Thelma Aldana, but also to wrap this part up that you're talking about. And I want our listeners to, again, understand this. Just because we say we, do not support CSIG and what it did to Guatemala does not mean we're not for rule of law, quite the opposite. And I know I said that once, I'm gonna say it again, because I know when people hear this, we're gonna be criticized for saying certain things and I wanna anticipate the criticism. That's number one. Number two, make no mistake about it, this organization, CSIG, has tried to hijack the Guatemalan legal system and almost did, but for the fact that there were some brave patriots in Guatemala who said no more, we're not going to put up with what you're doing to our legal system. And what Betty is talking about, all these different names, all these different actors, were people who were involved and facilitators of this. And frankly, Betty, I think all these people should be held to account for what they did and didn't do, uh, including yeah. they should be judged by a jury of their peers in a court of law or in the Congress with oversight in your country to figure out what exactly money was spent on and what they did to the Guatemalan legal system because everything I read about the crisis, the judicial crisis, tells me that you're eroding trust in the institution. Forget about the anti-corruption thing. Everybody's against corruption. There's corruption right here in America. There's corruption right here in Virginia. There's corruption all over the world and it's going to be with us until the end of times. So we're not saying we're not against it. We're saying if you want to cope with it, you first need a court legal system that's not filled with people who ignore the law or use it as an instrument to wage ideological war on people who disagree with them. Is, would that be a correct assessment? Yes, actually you can, what, what people in Washington need to understand is that you cannot fight corruption with more corruption. Oh, that's, that's a great way to put it. And, and frankly, when it comes to the UN, and, and the OAS and all these organizations, they need to be forensically audited. They're masters need, of corruption. But we, we need to audit those organizations and we need to find new actors. In fact, right here in Washington, we'll put a story on the podcast page about this. Uh, the, they had to uh, throw some folks out of the Inter-American Commission for Human Rights because they had so many complaints, administrative complaints filed against them from within the organization from within the organization. And by the way, that organization wages ideological warfare on the United States of America with some of the rulings they issue. And they meddle, they meddle in American business where they have no business to be judging the United States in some of the rulings that they do. They don't get to the important cases they should be dealing with, which are real human rights abuses. They focus on ideological battles 
and pronouncements that come out of that commission. That's the topic for another show. Who is Thelma Aldana and why should the American people care about this? The American people should care about her because she's receiving money from donors in the US to continue promoting an agenda of abortion, of anti-family values, of anti-faith, a globalist, progressive, socialist agenda in Guatemala. And she is a criminal that should be held accountable because there's people dead because of her orders in passed away in jail during preventive incarceration. And then they were innocent because of her orders. Hmm. She has uh, committed She purchased a building that cannot even be used for over 30 million cues, 35 million cues. And um, she needs to be held accountable for everything she's done, both uh, criminal, civil cases. And, um, and I know that the warrant for her international arrest is about to come out once again, and I hope this time they enforce it. Yeah, she is, um, for listeners who don't know who Thelma Aldana is, she is a jurist and politician who used to be on the, um, I think she was the president of the Supreme Court and may have been the no, attorney general. No, she was, she was the attorney general. She was Ivan Velasquez's right hand. And curiously, another one of Ivan Velasquez's key people, um, a guy uh, called Juan Francisco Sandoval from an entity called FESI that was created by CICIG and Thelma Aldana, he should be in also fa uh, be facing court, his day in court, because of, because of the Oderbrecht case. Oh, that's a Brazil corruption case. Yeah. And negotiated the Oderbrecht case, the famous uh, infrastructure corruption scandal, international corruption scandal that also touched Guatemala. When we come back, we're going to pick up on a, another topic uh, involving forced labor of Cuban doctors in Guatemala. But before we get into that one, we're also going to talk a little bit about why I think some of these groups that Betty's talking about are aggressively going after patriots like Betty and many other conservative activists in Guatemala. And it has to do with Article 3, Chapter 1 of the Constitution of Guatemala that grants the right to life from conception. It's a very interesting discussion that shocks a lot of Americans when they find out that there's such a clause in the Guatemalan constitution. But we'll get to that topic briefly and then we'll talk about Cuban doctors. We'll be right back. Hello, fellow Liberty Warriors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way uh, to make a podcast. It's free uh, for starters. There's also uh, an awesome creation tool. If you don't want to hire a producer right away, you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone, right from your computer, anywhere you are, at any time. It's uh, distributed for you. So that's really important. Once you record this, you need to get it to the right platform. They will do that for you, including on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast. It's all in one place. It's very easy to use. So give Anchor a try. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm to get started. 
And we're back with Betty Marroquin from Guatemala, a former vice presidential candidate, uh, policy leader, uh, diplomat, uh, patriot, a lover of her country. And she's also a big fan of the United States and knows a lot about the American political system and our culture. And we're, we're, we're always glad and blessed to have Betty with us uh, so she could Thank tell you, us. Jason. It's always great to hear what's happening in, in Guatemala, a beautiful country, beautiful people. I, I haven't been there in a long time. I need to go back. Um, and, and I hope I can soon, especially when they lift these restrictions on, on pandemic. Before we took that break, I mentioned the right to life that's guaranteed from the point of conception in the Constitution of Guatemala. Nobody ever talks about this in Washington because, of course, it, it, it's an inconvenient truth for them. So they, mm -hmm. I believe, and tell me, you know, it, you know, I'm just guessing at this, but when they throw these allegations of corruption at you all and all these groups and they start to undermine your legal systems, do you think that there's something behind it that goes directly to this issue about the fact that Guatemala is one of the few countries one of the, in Latin America that actually protects life from conception? Yes, in part it did. And let me tell you something, the American people financed programs that promoted uh, abortions in my country and promoted sex education for children under 12 years of age that had to, to do with very sexual elements, which is totally against our society. I think, it's, I think the world is moving, thanks to, in great part for, to President Trump, it's moving towards uh, a direction that says, listen, my, my house, in my house, I rule it this way. Here we have a mom, a dad, the kids, and the dad gives the, you know, he, he provides with the mom and blah, blah, blah. We have our rules. The neighbor has their rules at their house. Mm. And I will not go to the neighbor's house to tell them what to do. And the neighbor shouldn't come to my house to tell me what to do. I think the world is moving towards that direction. Having said that, yes. Guatemala is a very Christian country. We are either Catholics or evangelical Christians. We also have a rather significant Mormon community. We have a rather significant Jewish community. Yes, we have Muslims as well, and they're not killing each other. They're fine here. And mm. we have even Buddhists. So people in Guatemala, the vast majority, have a faith. If you look at all of these faiths, all of them respect right to live. All of them talk about family values and, uh, and, and, and traditional principles. Yes, we are, therefore, a very conservative nation. And our constitution reflects that. So does our, our, our actions. It's funny when Ivan Velasquez recently placed a picture of one of our demonstrations, our, our huge pro-life demonstration, over half a million people, we all showed up to, to, to demonstrate against constitutional reforms that Todd Robinson was promoting and Telma Dan and Ivan Velasquez to impose abortion and to impose um, LGBTQ uh, policies in, in our country. He uses our pictures and he had to take the tweet down because we all jumped on him on Twitter and said, that's not your picture, that's us. We are the ones in that picture. But anyways, so yes, we are a very pro-life nation. And um, 
we will not, we're not going to allow people to come and change that. There's, there will be blood in Guatemala if they continue to impose that on us, Jason, let me tell you. We will fight it to the dead. You know that, that this, this lady, Thelma Aldana, who wraps herself in the cloak of anti-corruption, but has really been at the forefront of facilitating a socialist uh, uh, takeover uh, undermining of the Guatemalan legal system, which, by the way, is praised by, you know, and this is always a, a, red, a quick red flag for me. Whenever communist Cuba is praising people, you know, <laughs> you know there's a problem. Yes. And they praise her, and they praised a, a lot of these other people who, even though maybe Cubans don't say much about the CSIG, uh, their, their fellow travelers, uh, they do. And they, they have said good things about her and other people. And uh, Betty, uh, uh, I point out the abortion issue and the life issue because I think it's one of many issues that the left hones in on and then tries to shame you and, and make it seem like somehow it's a bad thing. But you mm -hmm. have brave people down there. You have, I know, a lot of great lawyers and activists like you who are not taking any more of this nonsense in your country and you are taking a stand. And I think it's important to take a stand because again, we are not for corruption. We are for a strong Guatemala, a, a strong Guatemala legal system that can judge its people by their rules, rules that they've had in place for a very long time and that they're trying to build a Guatemalan legal system for the Guatemalan people, not something where you have international organizations or foreigners telling you what to do. Exactly. Uh, right? Jason, we were at the forefront applauding when Velasquez and Aldana put uh, President uh, Otto Perez and Roxana Valdetti, the vice president, in jail. Mm -hmm. At the time, we believed it was a good thing and we supported it because we're not, we don't, and then right wing people, we don't care if you're a right wing or a left wing person. If you commit a crime, you should be held accountable for your actions. We want accountability and oversight for every single person that takes office. And uh, Betty, move the uh, move the phone a little closer. I think um, we had a little we had a little connection issue. But yes, you were saying okay. that we you say no matter if you're left or right, you want justice we for everybody. Exactly. Everyone should should be accountable for their actions. Businessmen, policemen, soldiers, guerrilla commanders, guerrilla people. We don't care what you are, a lawyer, a doctor. We are all responsible for our individual actions. What do you have to say to people when they you get accused of this thing. I mean, how do you push back on something like that? Because this is an unrelenting battle. I mean, we over here uh, see some of these struggles in our country, but from a very different, very different angle, very different country, of course. But how do you all handle that in such a small country where uh, you, you, you can't really, it's not in the news all the time. So how do you deal with this in the institutions? How do you deal with this as practitioners? How do you deal with this uh, long term, what do you think is the best way forward for the Guatemalan people on this issue? There's so much to, to, that needs to be fixed. The first thing is that we need to recover our judiciary system so that it once again works. Mm. That's what we need to have. We need to have a judiciary, an impartial judiciary uh, system that really, really implements the law 
as it's written without giving it exotic interpretations. Um, that's the number one thing. But let me tell you something, Jason, Guatemalan people, out of everything bad, there always comes something good. CICIG, the only one thing that it helped us do is to wake us up, mm. to wake us up so that we can fix our own house and stop waiting for some foreigner to come and clean it up for us. <laughs> that That's we great. have learned. That's great. Well, Another thing is that you mentioned before the break, the, the persecution of those of us who, who speak against the deep state, who speak against Velasquez and CICIG and the UN and the World Health Organization and Soros, because we are fighting Soros here as well, if I may say so. Mm. Um, those of us, we are doing it openly and with our faces given to the public. We don't hide behind a caricature. We don't hide behind a pseudonymous. We give our names and they have our faces. And why do we do it? Because we don't have a tail they can cut. <laughs> we haven't done anything wrong and therefore they cannot quiet us. That's why I live, and when I raised my voice as of 2015, I was never interested in, in getting into politics or any of that at all. I'm a business, I come from a fam family of business people. I'm a businesswoman as well. I don't live of this. This is a passion to do it. Let me ask you something. What happened, I'm glad you mentioned this, when you all tried you and a team of fellow Liberty Warriors tried to have a law enacted that would require disclosure of um, where foreign money was coming from into your country. Oh, Ivan Velasquez, Telmaldana, Walla, everybody cried that it was, that, that was persecuting the NGOs and not true. We just want accountability and oversight. If they're not doing anything wrong, they can so, continue doing what they're doing. So, 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 so our listeners know what we're talking about. Basically, this would have been a very small little reform mm -hmm. that, would sh that would bring sunshine into these NGOs that operate in Guatemala so that the Guatemalan people could know who is putting money into these NGOs. And when, when, when people in Guatemala tried to do this, and there were a team of lawyers and some activists who tried to do this, I could not believe the headlines. It's like you had somehow uh, committed some type of political sin and that you were persecuting people for demanding transparency in your uh, political system. Exactly. You see, everything that these guys argue that they want, whenever we say, okay, but for everybody, they back off, they get angry. They don't want it. They don't want accountability and oversight for everybody. They just mm. want it for one side and uh, twisted and turned, not even correctly. Well, one of That's the, things the saddest that we, yeah. part of it all. One of the and you know we... what is happening to Alvaro Uribe in Colombia? It's another example of this. Why are they going after him? Because Velasquez, Velasquez's friends are going after Uribe because Uribe went after Velasquez. And to us, Uribe is a champion of Republican principles, yeah. human rights and everything. We. Yeah, Share with our share with our listeners who uh, Senator, former president of Colombia, uh, Uribe is. Alvaro Uribe Vélez is a Colombian who who had his family. Uh, he had he had relatives 
kidnapped, killed by the drug traffickers. He fought the drug traffickers and he uh, realized at a very early stage the link between FARC and the drug traffickers in Colombia. So when he became president, he fought them hard and he was reelected three times and he's the president in the, in the Western Hemisphere that holds the highest approval standard of ever. Um, he was, he's one of the very few presidents that has been invited to address the US Congress. He is, in our view, a hero. And he's being persecuted by FARC and Ivan Velasquez and President Duque who betrayed him because President Duque was, was uh, one of Uribe's uh, supporters in theory. And, and Uribe supported Duque to get to the presidency and now he betrayed Alvaro Uribe. Out of fear, to the I, fear of the left. I, I hope that in the next Trump administration, or no matter who comes, and the Congress, our Congress, who uh, has a responsibility here as well, we've invested. The U.S. taxpayer has invested billions of dollars in Colombia over decades to help combat the FARC terrorist and drug trafficking, and champions like. Alvaro Uribe uh, should not be uh, uh, treated the way they're being treated and the legal systems that we put in place and helped build together because we were invited. And what a contrast, by the way, how we did our work in Colombia, where we worked as team members and built the judiciary up and the courts. And, and, and by the way, they're a mess now. So I, I'm not even going to get into the Colombian issue. The Colombian courts are a mess and they need to be reformed and we need to look at that because they've been politicized. They've been politicized. Uh, that's why you and I and others were such big critics, by the way, of that terrible deal with the FARC peace deal. It wasn't a peace deal. That was a terrible agreement uh, that legitimized, tries to legitimize the FARC terrorist group. And now they're using those mechanisms that U.S. taxpayers help put together to go after the people who are the champions of liberty in Colombia. That's, that, that's what they're doing. Uh, well, but, we spoke about it in a previous podcast. I don't remember if it was the first or the second, where I said that I told you that the International Socialist was going to hold a vendetta against everybody that won against communism in the in the during the Cold War, and Uribe is one of them. He's one of them. Yes, so, he, he he is one of them. And there's other champions, and we need to back back these people up when they come under attack. And I know that we will. And I know Albu Uribe will, be, will, will, will win this, but he's in for a tough, tough fight. Uh, we're going to take another break because in our last segment, we're going to just dedicate this to a topic that uh, Betty has been following very, very closely in Guatemala. And that is the presence of Cuban medical brigades in her country. They've been there for a long time. But there's been some recent news developments that she's going to share with us and also uh, what she thinks we need to do about these invaders in, in, in her country. Not, they're, on, they're not all bad people, but some of these people should not be in Guatemala, should not be in many other countries in Latin America. And the government of Guatemala, frankly, should not be paying for any of this. And you're gonna listen, uh, learn why. We'll be, we'll, we'll be right back. Betty Marroquin's with us today on the Global Liberty Alliance podcast. Betty, thank you for sticking with us uh, for an hour. Uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you for the invitation, Jason. It's an honor. Many thanks. 
Cuban medical missions. We've been hearing about Cuban medical missions, Cuban medical brigades, and the miracles of Cuban medicine. And of course, we, 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 we will demystify a lot of things in this podcast and in future podcasts. And I urge our listeners to go to our website at globallibertyalliance.org, O-R-G, and look at the mission pages and you'll see there uh, some of the work that we've done to unmask this charade of Cuban medical brigades. And there's a lot of people working on this project. Pretty soon, we may be even working in Guatemala. Uh, Betty has been tracking this issue for a long time, and I want her to share with people uh, what Cuban medical brigades, and by the way, there have been some good doctors, some nurses uh, that have participated in these programs, but there are also spies. Uh, there, uh, there are people who go on these missions to evangelize socialism. So it's, you come in for a checkup, they talk to you about Fidel Castro and about Che Guevara and about the wonders of socialism. And they've been doing this in Guatemala for a long time. And I'd, I'd like Betty to share some of this uh, with you because it's a pretty complex issue. Thank you, Jason. Well, the, the, medical, the Cuban medical brigades were invited to come into my country in 1998 as a result of her, in the aftermath of Hurricane Mitch, uh, which hit my country very hard. Former President Alvaro Arzu, um, who was a friend of mine and also a mentor, one of the best leaders we've had, uh, out of goodwill and thinking that the, the, the Cuba was famous in Guatemala for having such good medical practices, invited the Cuban brigades. And they stayed ever since, so 1998. Um, you you expre- explain it very well because it, there, we have 295 Cuban doctors that earned about 7,000 kills, which is about $1,000 per doctor. And we've discovered here that some of these so-called doctors are cooks, are drivers. They're not even medical personnel. Wow. Um, so there's, there's quite a few that are uh, former policemen or people that have nothing to do with the health system at all whatsoever. And it's quite funny. I saw um, Carrie Filippetti's uh, address to the OAS, and there was a caricature that completely stroke because it's, it's perfect. There's this doctor, this uh, Cuban caricature of a Cuban doctor holding a paper that says, I love Maduro with the, doing a medical exam to a patient. It's indoctrination. And by the way, and for, we by know the way, that Carrie, it's here. By the way, Betty's uh, uh, talking about Deputy Assistant Secretary of State, uh, Carrie Filippetti. She is at the State Department here in Washington, D.C., and has been a champion on the human rights issue with these doctors and uh, liberty in the Americas for a long time, but continue. So, so in Guatemala, they've been there for a while. Um, a lot of them are not practicing medicine. We know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no idea they were driving cars and uh, serving as, cooks. as cooks for other people. That's, yeah. that's pretty phenomenal. We're going to have some news soon about Guatemala, I think, on, on, on these missions. Are they there legally? I mean, can these doctors, can, can, I mean, they've been there a long time. They rotate in and out. Uh, under Guatemalan law, are they allowed to be there as long as, I mean, what do the Guatemalan doctors think about this? The Guatemalan, there's a lot of Guatemalan doctors that are unemployed that should be taking over those jobs because we, we would love to protect Guatemala first. So we would love to protect our own people for them to, to be, you know, to, to, to do the job they started to do. We know that there's some doctors that, um, 
that have uh, some Cuban doctors that, like you said, are good doctors and have, have done a, a lot of um, surgeries and things that are positive. But we also know there's a lot of abuses going on here. Um, I've, I'm trying to investigate, uh, for example, situations uh, regarding uh, female Cuban personnel that have been subjected to, uh, to, to, to physical abuses, uh, rape and whatnot. Um, we also know that uh, it is incredible that these, these, these doctors, they're paid $1,000 and out of that $1,000, they get in some cases 60, in some cases 20. So the rest of that money goes completely to the Castros in, in Cuba. And this has become the number one source of income for the communist regime in Cuba. And, and people that think that Cuba has opened up, they need to think again. It's the same as in China. I just received information today from China, Jason. Let me tell you, because it's the same as in Cuba. Catholics are being persecuted in China, tremendously incarcerated. Well, Cuba is no exception. And mm -hmm. I, as a Catholic, was very upset to see our Pope, the, His Holiness, praising Cuba. I don't understand that, Jason. To me, that is politics as well. Yeah, and we have communicated that to colleagues in the Holy See, and we will continue to present the trafficking, because what you described there, Betty, about the salary issue, and I want our listeners to know who may not know about this, and we have information about the Cuban Medical Brigade program on our website, if you want to learn more about it. Uh, the, the, the Cuban government negotiates the regime, negotiates contracts, agreements with the Guatemalan government to provide services. The regime and the Guatemalan government set the salary. The Cuban physician, the medical worker, the nurse, the physical therapist, the dentist, the eye doctor, does not have a say in what they're paid. And they do have contracts and we have found them. They, 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 when you participate in these brigades, uh, before you leave Cuba, First of all, they test you ideologically. You have to be a committed socialist. If you are not a socialist, if you are not committed to the revolution, you are not sent abroad to participate in these brigades. You do sign a contract that says you will participate, but your salary, all of that is sent back to Cuba, the majority of it, and they hold it there. Maybe they'll give it back to you. Maybe they won't. They use it as an inducement to make sure you come back. And the majority of the money, of course, is pocketed by Guatemalan government people and by the Cuban Communist Party. That's it. That's a case of forced labor. And we have talked to nurses, doctors, lawyers, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, brigade members who want to defect. They want to leave. Uh, they don't feel they have freedom because once these people leave, Betty, and that's, that, that's, that's the, the beauty of liberty and why communism uh, hates information, hates free societies, open uh, information. And, and, and they, once they get a taste of what freedom's all about, what liberty's all about, uh, they, even with the challenges in your country, they're freer, of course, than they are in Cuba, even though they keep an eye on them. These people come with minders and people called juridicos and spies that make sure that they, they stick with the program and, and not defect. But they know what freedom now is all about. And they have awakenings 
what do you think we need to do in places like Guatemala to stop this sort of thing? I mean, why won't the Guatemalan government just tell Cuba, look, if you're going to bring these people here, you have to obey Guatemalan law to begin with? Well, first of all, Jason, let me tell you something. Guatemala has very, uh, very good doctors. We have very good personnel. We have very good nurses. So the first thing that us Guatemalans would like to do is get our own people hired okay. and doing our job, the job that they, that they started to do, which that is cure sense. us, take that care of our sense. health. That makes sense. That's the number one issue. We, we talk about unemployment. We have people thinking of leaving Guatemala to go north because of lack of opportunities. And we're paying, paying $1,000 to a Cuban doctor that is not a doctor? That is outrageous. You see, we are not going to continue supporting this. Unfortunately, we have a foreign minister, President Alejandro Jamate appointed this 30-something-year-old, uh, uh, I don't even know what his profession is. I think he's a champion of shooting practices okay. um, as foreign minister. He thinks Cuba is, an, is a very important player in the international arena, and you cannot upset the Cuban regime. He doesn't understand what all this means. You see, among the many mistakes that this kid is doing, well, is this guy is doing um, with respect to international affairs, we have asked him openly to not renew the agreement with Cuba. We do not want this agreement anymore. Let me ask you something. Why, why did the Guatemalan healthcare minister, Amelia Flores, say a few weeks ago that, or and this may have been even something that, I think she may have been the former minister. Um, no, she's the current. She's the current. Well, why, why did she say, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but she said, Cuban doctors will go where people here don't want to go. And it's our position that the healthcare professionals are indisputable and irre irreplaceable. So we need them in Guatemala. Why does she keep saying that sort of stuff? Because that's what the, that's what the, what, what the Minister of foreign, uh, of foreign Relations has told the president that they need to say, and the president is, is following this. And also we have a guy called uh, Edwin Asturias, who is uh, an associate of, of the Gates Foundation, uh, who worked for the World Health Organization. He's a, a Guatemalan immigrant that lives in Colorado, and he's a pediatrician, and he's now heading the fight against COVID, but he's extremely pro-UN, pro-Cuba, pro-socialism, pro-everything that we've talked about. And uh, he's also told the president that the Cubans' doctor are indispensable. So here we go again with the NGOs, international and the, and the politics meddling in the domestic affairs of Guatemala and saying that it's okay to traffic in a doctor, a medical worker who only gets 10, 15% of what you actually pay for in the contract, probably a violation under Guatemalan labor law to begin with. And, and, and people there just keep, it's impunity, frankly, it's people just violating the law, getting, and somebody in Cuba is getting rich off this. Somebody, you know, and by the way, we, we're going to start targeting a lot of this and, and, and we're going to first unmask these deals so that people know what's behind them. Do you think we will have a shot in the Guatemalan legal system to unmask and hold these people to account? Well, 
Jason, we're trying. That's what we're fighting for. That's what we're trying to do. But unless we clean up the constitutional court, nothing will ever get fixed in this country. Because as long as Gloria Porras is there, she, Helen Mack will have control of everything. Uh, the, the, the swamp will continue to direct everything that happens here via WALA, via Human Rights Watch, via all these NGOs that work to promote socialism, globalism, and progressive agendas in, in countries like mine. How important, how important is it for American listeners to stay engaged in these battles? Because a lot of people say, well, look inside first, but Guatemala is not that far away. It, it's very close. We're friends, we're allies. We're all, as Ronald Reagan once said, anyone, you know, we're all Americans, as Ronald Reagan said back in, in the 90s. Uh, what's your message to the American people who may be listening to this, that what can they do? Well, my message is we are heartbroken to see what has been happening in certain cities in the U.S. You have been a symbol, a bastion of freedom, rule of law, democracy, respect. We hope you will recover your own country. We hope um, the American people will focus on America first. We hope the American people holds accountable your governors, your district attorneys, your authorities from every level because you need to recover what made America the greatest country in the world where everybody wanted to go live in. You are an example, but you need to fix your own house and we will fix ours. We will do the same with our house. We can be friends, mutually cooperate and exchange commerce trade. That's what we want to be productive and sell our stuff to you and buy your stuff in our country import American products, that what, that's what we want. We also we want, want and, and we also want to keep China out of Guatemala. Yes, absolutely. I'm big time anti-Chinese, but except for their food. But anyway, <laughs> well, let me rephrase that. Except for the food that they serve at the restaurants here, the oh, Chinese nice. Guatemalan community, which is very respectable. But anyways, so I hope the American people understand that countries like mine are filled with Guatemalans that have pride. We don't want charity. We want Amen. trade. Amen. And, and that's a, that, and that is that's that's beyond basic. That's the essential building block of a relationship. You want mutual respect. Uh, you want an ally that works with you through your tough times, that respects in this, the topic we've been talking about, your laws, your legal system. And I know that Guatemalan jurists and policymakers from, from uh, want to work together with Americans and collaborate, but not force these experiments down their throats that undermine sovereignty, undermine rule of law, do not really combat corruption. It's just a, a, a corruption facilitating uh, entity and it distracts us from the things that we should be doing, which is being good neighbors and building constructive uh, relationships that lead to trade. Uh, I think in a in a future, uh, I think in the very near future, you may uh, be seeing some some help in that space. Look, we're running out of time for today. I, I want to leave our listeners uh, with with an uplifting thought and, and get Betty's thoughts on it. You know, C.S. Lewis, 
once wrote that you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And I'm really excited about folks like Betty and the, and, and the people that I've met through her and, and, and fellow uh, Guatemalan Americans and people who are trying to step in to politics and step into policy and not run from the difficult decisions. Betty, what final concluding thought do you want to leave us with that uh, think gives us hope for the, uh, the future of your, your folks down there? Well, Jason, our futures are extremely intertwined right now. So I would love to tell the American people, whoever listens to, to this podcast, that our prayers are with you for your vote to be a vote towards freedom, America first, recovering your nation, your principles, saving your values. Because if you lose this one, you will lose your country and you will end up like us. I hope that, that, that your listeners realize that sometimes it's best to have someone that tells you things as they are, even if they don't sound pretty, than to have someone lie through their teeth while stabbing you in the back. And we're praying for this because our own freedom depends greatly on yours. Well, Betty, thank you for that. And I encourage anyone listening to go vote. Vote for whoever you have to vote for, but please go vote. Uh, don't, don't take that duty lightly. Everyone should get out there and vote and make their voices heard at the ballot box, which is the, the great equalizer in a democratic republic such as the United States. So Betty, as always, I hope you'll come back. Uh, we opened a few new topics and we're, we're going to talk about trade, I hope, next time because I want Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to talk about trade. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd, love, I'd love folks to hear about the market in Guatemala, the potential for growth, but also how China, Russia, and some other powers are trying to uh, meddle in that space. I know you have a lot to say about that. Yes, I do. Thank okay. you so much, Jason, for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure. Blessings to you and your team and to the, the American people. Uh, we love the U.S. We really love your country. We are not, we're not against you, and we're praying for you to be successful. Well, same here, Betty. We, we, we love all the people of Guatemala. You have a friend here, and uh, we look forward to next time. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Same to you, Jason. Take care.